Before we start, our guest for this episode of Gayish is Max Cameron. Shortly after taping, we received messages containing serious allegations against Max. During our pre-interview with Max, he proactively informed us of these allegations and has denied them. After a great deal of thought and discussion, we have decided to proceed with Max as our guest as planned. Our podcast is not one of investigative journalism or a place to arbitrate such matters, so we are relying on other organizations more closely involved with the situation, one of which has indicated they support anyone who decides to collaborate with Max. You will find a more thorough explanation of our thinking and links to additional published materials about this situation on our website at www.gayishpodcast.com slash max. And now, enjoy Gayish. Tell me it gets better. Say that it gets better. O-P-S, I'm O-P-S, I'm gay. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast that wants to fist you because you really need to loosen up. <laughs> it's true. That's how you get it to happen, everyone. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And Kyle. What? We're going to talk about BDSM. We are definitely going to talk about BDSM. Yeah. We brought it up on multiple of our recent episodes, yeah. and we don't know that much about it, so we're going to learn a little bit. Um, it doesn't stand for big dick sex machine that okay i challenge that <laughs> i would like to take you to kink court um the sexiest of courts <laughs> um guilty <laughs> but first but first do you want to say words yeah so first of all um so the first week of may is always really fucked up for me and i don't know i just want to like throw it out there yesterday was my ex-wife and i's 14th wedding anniversary wow that means that trevor and i met nine years ago uh uh tonight is, is the ninth anniversary of our first date um it, and then a whole bunch of other things happened this week like uh later in the week but it'll be a year ago that trevor said that he was leaving um uh i both started at and quit this week just the first week of april is always just a whirlwind of fuckage for me and um so i've been sort of on edge like what's gonna happen yeah gotcha i i okay all that sucks and i'm sorry but also like it must be so challenging to live your life being able to remember things (laughs) (laughs) like i just realized when you said when you and your ex-wife's anniversary was i don't remember like when i got together or broke up with my ex like i don't remember so much about so many things yeah that oh man that must be such a burden i i envy how bad your brain is (laughs) (laughs) it's so great it makes this part much easier yeah okay that's a good way to look at it yeah a couple of people have said to me um well, here's an opportunity to make new memories. I, I, and I think that they were encouraging me to do something ridiculous this week that was positive. Oh. So that then, like, I would erase some of that. Yeah. Is there something crazy you have on your list to do? Maybe. Oh, well, somebody said, somebody said last night, do you have anything crazy on your list? Like, like what do you want to do? I said, twins. <laughs> <laughs> there were none. <laughs> there were none present at, at in bar, your vicinity? Time, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe you will find, maybe we'll discover something out of this episode that you just really take a interest in. Will I be into B or D <laughs> or S 
or M. You're already so into D. You don't need to. That's a well-explored territory. <laughs> what else is there? Oh, God. Uh, and uh, the last thing that I want to talk about is that, um, you know, the Pulse nightclub shooter, Omar Mateen, his wife was on trial for aiding and uh, abetting and being a co-conspirator and all of this stuff. And she was actually acquitted. So she, um, the the court decided that no, she wasn't involved in the shooting in any meaningful way. And so now she gets to go and live her life. Hmm. But a lot of details came out during her trial that I'm really having a hard time with. Um, so they, the, the FBI looked at his phone and his phone records and, um, there was no evidence that he was a closeted gay man at all, which was part of the narrative, right? That he was closeted, that he was striking out at the gay community specifically. He was targeting gay people because he hated them because he was, but he was also a Muslim. Um, uh, but then when they, when they, when they looked at the evidence, there, there was none. Um, they, he was never on grinder. He had porn involving older women on his phones and devices. Uh, they couldn't find any internet history related to homosexuality, but they did find daily obsessive searches about ISIS. Hmm. And um, they found plenty of evidence that he'd had extramarital affairs with women. Um, and he might have been a homophobe, but one thing that really just bugs me is apparently he, um, they couldn't, they found no evidence that he ever actually went to the Pulse nightclub, which was one of the rumors that was floating around. And didn't like lots of people say they saw him there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, they found no evidence that that was true. Um, hmm. And the security guard testified in that trial that when Omar came in, he asked him, where are all the women at? <laughs> oh, and and, and that, that says two things. That says not only is he not gay, he didn't know where he was. He didn't intentionally target. And he probably wasn't intentionally targeting gay people. And I feel I, that's what I feel weird about. Huh. Like, it might just have been an accident and not this like big narrative that we turned it into. And that, does that make it less of a tragedy? No, but, but it's weird that it wasn't about gay people or, well, or might not have been. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. That's very different than like, um, you know, you see information when it happens and then you just kind of run with that before you know that's always months before any kind of trial or formal charges come against people or all that stuff it's like you already decide and then move on so yeah to hear the actual details like that is really interesting i mean there there could also be like many reasons yes where the women are um yeah. Yeah. that don't um that don't make it so he that make it so he was still targeting gay people, but yeah, um, hmm, it just is unsettling. The near like it was supposed to be a hate crime, yeah. And the fact that I mean it was it's super evil and bad, but maybe not fueled by homophobia, at least not totally. Is that's I don't know. Yeah, icky feeling. Yeah, it's. Yeah, that is a really what it's like an oddly unsettling feeling like that should be good that someone didn't go out and target gay people like <laughs> if that's still, true, but it still feels weird. A hundred people got shot and half of them are dead. Yeah, and it was and it did affect our community specifically, even if by accident. So yeah, yeah, that's odd. And I'm very surprised that he wasn't gay himself or bi or something involving men just because. I heard so there was so much that seemed to be evidence before, but it's interesting yep. that none of it proved out. Yeah. And it, it's possible that it's just an easy jump to make when 
you have a someone targeting gay people. Why is that? Oh, because they're secretly gay. Like, that seems like the default. And it fit. Like, it seems so plausible that you just want to believe that, that you don't even yeah. question it. You just kind of go, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That must be true. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, if a person gets murdered, check the spouse. They probably yeah. did it. It's like one of those, like, okay, just jump right to that. And then, yeah. Yep. So um, that's that's a big old downer yay mike you did it <laughs> no but that is really interesting uh so i wanted to read an email we got from one of our listeners it's, it's a segment kyle reads email is that a segment do I, do I have this sure yeah all right this this is my email segment um we reached into the bag of the internet emails and pulled out a letter um this one is from bob it's called kyle's illiteracy <laughs> I remember this. I read this aloud to you when, like, right when we got it. Okay. He says, we are all not liberal arts majors, I know, but, like, he's missing, like, high school vocabulary. Is there any way we can help? So, (laughs) to that, Bob, I say two things. One, I was a business major. (laughs) I don't know. I think that makes it worse. (laughs) And and Spanish. So, that's liberal arts. Um, But, two... Um, I'm joking comment, but I did some research to find the intersection of the, uh, LGBT community and illiteracy. Oh God. No, no, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to fact shame this guy <laughs> into being mean to you. Well, no, I couldn't read any of it cause I'm illiterate. All right. That's true. That's true. Did you ask Siri? Hey Siri, how many, how many queers can't read? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, to bury a body visit this location <laughs> and it was really uncomfortable i was like siri why oh god uh wait so you have a literacy like facts and numbers or no you just you looked into it but couldn't read them i i didn't do any of that i just that was a joke okay i wish you had no no um okay so bdsm bdsm um wait can you without looking tell me after your research what bdsm stands for bondage domination and sadomasochism no sadism and masochism no what it's like overlapping acronyms that's stupid i okay well okay bdsm mike already has issue no it's like lgbtq is it queer is it questioning is it well it's q2 it's like you so it should be lgbtqq well, they do that, or they do 2Q. So whatever it is that you're about to say, it needs to not be BDSM. It needs to be BDDSSMMM or okay, whatever. that's way dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to listen to yourself and what you're proposing Fine. and realize that it's stupid. All right, school me. Um, okay, it is bondage. Da, no. Bondage. We're real good at this. Ah, fuck. Hold on. Hold. Big dick sex machine. Yeah, let's just stick with that. Okay. Bondage and discipline. Oh, discipline, yeah. Dominance and submission. Yeah. Sado Sado and masochism. Sadist and masochism. Yeah. Sadism and masochism. Yeah. Um I hate I hate that. Yeah, but your proposed fix is stupid. So you may not be invited to the BDSM club. Just gonna Do you mean to the BDDSSM club? I do certainly do not. (laughs) I certainly do not. Um and someone told me that after listening to the episodes, they were excited for us to talk about BDSM because it sounded like I was uh, negative towards it. Or like I said, you know, the eagle was really gross uh, mm. place to go or it was nasty or something like that. So I feel like I need to clarify 
when I say it's nasty, that's a good thing. <laughs> like it's nasty. And I loved it. Like it's so gross. And I was super into it. So I'm using the, the sex positive form of the words nasty and gross. Nasty pig. Yeah, oh, well, I don't, I don't like when people are referred to as like various forms of animals. Like that doesn't like do a, it for like, me. Like a piggy. Like, yeah, that doesn't Big I don't, play. I don't even know what that is. I just see is, it online every once in a while. I'm like, okay. Is pig play a thing? Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Okay. Is I, it where I, you just like eat bacon together? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that would turn me on. And sausage. <laughs> all the sausage you can put in your face. <laughs> it's even. It's and, an then, all, and then you pork each other. <laughs> all you can eat special. <laughs> well, so in, in order to help us with this, because we're clearly terrible at it, uh, we're going to have a guest come in after the, after the break. Uh, it's Max. I'm going to read his little bio here because then we can talk about how terrified I am about what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, Max has been active in Seattle's kink community since 1992 and has been teaching workshops and offering private coaching and training since 1999. While he's proficient with a wide range of BDSM skills, Max especially enjoys power exchange, the intimacy of rope bondage, and the intensity of the single tail. Contact Max via his website, bondagelessons.com. Uh, what does he have a last name or is it just Max? Is it like Cher or Enron? Cameron, Max Cameron. Okay, that's a good name. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, so we will talk to him about what he's going to bring some toys to show and tell. Oh, and I can't wait to see your face. Wait, okay, you, I feel like my guess is you're more like less BDSM inclined than I am. Really? Do you think who would be more likely to get into BDSM, you or me? I don't know. Oh, I think you okay, okay, I, would okay, dabble here, 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 and then it would not. You'd be like, I don't know. I've missed this. The just plain old missionary. It's so. so okay. So here's my full analysis. <laughs> Great. Putting the anal in analysis. <laughs> you seem more the type because you're more sexually expressive and adventurous and a slut. <laughs> Sex positive <laughs> or negative for which way are you using that? Yes. Okay. All uh, right. Um, uh, so it seems more likely that you would have varied experiences and, and plus we joke a lot in a way that tells me that we're not really joking that you like to be choked. And mm. Oh, oh like, yes. That is a real thing. That's not just a joke. <laughs> so, so there's all, there's all of that, but I'm also thinking in my head, I am super inhibited and super vanilla so far. And there's that adage that like, those are the freaks. Yeah. Like that they just haven't found it yet. Right. So, I mean, it's possible. It's hmm. it's possible that's my fucking jam and I just don't know it yet because I have no exposure. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to do a we'll do a check in at after we hear Max if uh, if it's if you've just found your uh, jar of jam. Yeah, that you're gonna jam out to and spread it all over the bread of America. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the bread of America? Is it? Like it's Nebraska. You know, from crust to crust. <laughs> <laughs> from crack to crack from crack to crust from from wheat to shining wheat <laughs> um so do you want to take a break let's take a break and when we come back uh we'll have max the dungeon master no nope, he's not a dungeon master you have to cut that uh he does work in a dungeon <laughs> but he's not the master of it he has a dungeon in his house when we get back we're gonna have max with us and uh we're gonna learn some shit yeah and see some shit and do some shit maybe uh let's take a break let's take a break let's take a break let's take a break break that's my bdsm voice break oh god i'm gonna like bdsm mike less than regular mike 
I don't think that's possible. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Are we back? We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> and we're here with Max. Welcome. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you very, very much. We appreciate it, especially since we're we're real not... BDSM idiots. <laughs> BDSM for dummies. Yes. Um, so I read your uh, intro, your bio that you sent in uh, before the break, but uh, wanted to just quickly touch base on, on what are you up to these days? Like, what's, uh, what's your life like right now? What is my life like right now? My life is marvelous. Um, I teach and I coach a lot. I have um, a couple of partners that I spend time um, being loving and nasty with, kind of depending on the moment. Uh, I, and and, and you, you mean like polyamorous yep, part, partners, yep, like exactly. you, you're, you're in a, in a, in a multiple person relationship. I am. And I'm delighted to, that's all fair game too. I'm delighted to talk about that. Or there's, in fact, there's some interesting overlap between poly and BDSM. That's sure. Um, so, uh, how, how many partners do you have? I don't, I don't even have the vocabulary to talk about it. That's so this is, a, you're educating me on a whole different area than we expected to, but excellent. So the first thing, uh, the, the hard part of that question is like, what's a partner, which is not, you know, which is actually not facetious. It's kind of like, what is sex, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I have uh, probably three or four people I would say that I have substantial partnerships with, um, mm-hmm. meaning we see each other regularly. It's been going on for a year or longer. Uh, do you live with any of them? That- um, I uh, historically have had a live-in partner almost all my almost all of my life and uh, haven't for the last couple of years uh-huh. and coincidentally have uh, a partner who I've been with for about six or seven years now moving in today. Oh, wow. So, wow. Great. Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, thanks for the invitation to be here because I could be carrying boxes. So this, <laughs> this, this, thank goodness this is not... You yeah, know. <laughs> she won't hear this until it's all over. So. <laughs> um, are they all? Are all your partners female? All of my partners right now are female. I have had uh, male partners in the past. Hmm. So, what, how do you identify for your sexual orientation? I am boringly straight, uh, despite kind of my best attempts to the contrary. Um, and <laughs> there's there's a broader discussion about that. But in terms of uh, what gets my dick hard, uh, it's women, hmm. uh, and it's of course a subset of that. Uh, but I spend a lot of time engaged with men in other ways that I think would puzzle a lot of my straight friends. So, <laughs> okay. Which, yeah, which well, is just what the show is about. So yes. We're, yeah, we're going to like, I feel like you're so many overlap of identities that we want to explore. There's the polyamorous, there's the BDSM, there's the straight identification, but doing things with guys uh, that doing things. Yeah, interacting. That's very, with them, that yeah. was very descriptive. Um, <laughs> and also, don't. Um, dude, what's the like biggest age gap you've had in a relationship? Oh yeah, we just had our episode last week. It came ooh. out today about age and age ooh. differences. Ooh, ooh, so ooh. this is a follow up to that a little bit. Um, let's see. The biggest age gap was probably uh, ten years ago when I was about fifty and she was about twenty three. So there was there was a moment where she actually got to half my age, uh-huh. um, and that was amusing. I was I was exactly the same age as her dad, which we had a lot of interesting commentary about. Huh. You're like if we were doing a like bingo card of the things that we want to know more about. You're like <laughs> we just got seventeen bingos. Yay. So like <laughs> what am I what am I missing? I feel like an underachiever now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know what do I what is it missing? What else have do we have on our list? To you're, talk per- about? you're perfect the way you are. Okay. Like oh, that's, yeah. so, that's so sweet. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so um, I know BDSM is then an umbrella term that there's actually a lot uh, of different 
segments inside of that general label that's accurate right yeah there are a couple uh there are a couple dimensions that i usually call out and when i when i teach when i coach i actually kind of try and deconstruct it a little bit because i think it's uh people approach it and it's this sort of overwhelming uh buffet table full of stuff and it's like hard to figure out what to what to nibble on first so th- <laughs> so there's a uh there, there's a there's a whole section that's about uh f- uh sensation play let's call it sensation when i talk to my mother about bdsm i call it strong sensation what we also mean is pain um and so sensation play it it can be about tickling it can be about spanking it can be about nipple clamps it can be about needles it can be about whips it can be about just anything that delivers physical sensation um and so to to do that there is just simply there's a person who wants to deliver sensation which we call a sadist because we like adopting you know provocative terms mm-hmm. and a masochist <laughs> once again um but it's basically who somebody who's giving sensation somebody who's receiving sensation mm-hmm. then there's another whole component that's about power exchange uh and there's we call it dominance and submission or or authority transfer or power exchange but it's but it's you know you get the idea it's it's basically uh one person consensually saying I am aware of my own power and I choose to give some of it to you. And so maybe I want you to be in charge of this little thing for tonight. Or maybe we're going to live together forever and I want you to be in charge of this set of things. So mm-hmm. there's a whole range of how that's done. I feel like the stereotype of that um, area within BDSM is that it's always the high powered executives that like have so much power and have to do so much decision making in their everyday lives that they want to give that up. Do you find that stereotype true um, I- or not? I, I, I absolutely find that represented, but I don't think it's any more true than kind of all the other all the other permutations. I also know lots of people who actually are in charge most of the time, and they're very dominant in, in their BDSM activities. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, I think it plays out about 50-50. So in terms of kind of that, that BDSM umbrella, there's at least two other things that I think are worth noting. One of them is there's the whole area of bondage, which I kind of call out separately because you can do bondage, whether it's rope or handcuffs or whatever, uh, in a way that might be about sensation, so I can like do bondage that's really physically rigorous and, and painful or stressful, but it doesn't have to be. I could put somebody in a cage and there's no sensation at all, really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can do bondage that's about authority. It can be like, look, you're handcuffed and I'm in charge of you, boy. Um, or lots there we of- go. That's my so okay. I found, I, we're like also exploring <laughs> our possible kinks, and there we are. Okay. That's mine. I'm I always, gonna make it out. I always Wait, you, want, you want to be in a cage and called boy? Is that what you said? N- I've never thought about a cage, so I don't necessarily think. I always associate. Uh, BDSM with the pain part mm-hmm. and to hear you describe that as a separate thing than the like authority and power part of like being tied up or yeah. whatever, or handcuffed or whatever. This is why I do this is I think they're very separate. Yeah. So 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 the bondage part is not as distinctly separate from pain and sensation although it can overlap it. I mean it's like two ingredients. You can mix them or not. Mm-hmm. The bondage part is distinctly separate from authority. It's once again you can mix them or not. I know lots of people who do bondage and it's like uh, I mean, it's just very collaborative. It's like, hey, this is fun. Let's get together and tie each other up. And mm. it's not. There's no authority. And then there's also kind of the, the fourth piece, if you will, is kind of the whole arena of fetish, right? I mean, people who are rubber fetishists or, or uh, pet play in some ways is maybe overlaps that. There's, so, the, I mean, the whole reason the Internet exists, right, is so people with fetishes can find each other. So, <laughs> so there's that whole arena. But, but the, the pieces that I think are classically BDSM are about uh, authority and about sensation and maybe about bondage. And people mix them happily and joyfully and consciously, and I think people also mix them sort of without a lot of thought. So, for instance, people say, um, I'm a dominant because I like spanking my partner. 
Mm. And I would argue that that's not correct. I would say that they're sadist because they like spanking their partner. And they may or may not also like authority transfer. Mm. And I have, uh, it's confusing and it, and it leads to things like people sitting on my sofa in my living room for coaching sessions and saying, gosh, I would like to be a better submissive, but I hate being hit. And it's like, well, that's because you're a submissive, you're not a masochist, and they're different things, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, mm-hmm. so we can combine them, but I think, it's, I think conceptually it's helpful to separate them out and then reassemble them based on what you desire. Yeah, that's really helpful. So like you might, you know, you might like handcuffs, but you may not like pain. And it's like, okay, that's, they're different things. You do, there's no need to combine them. Confirm. He, he, he might hypothetically like being choked. Right. It's not hypothetical. We, we talk about it on the show all Sweet. the time. Um, uh, but that's that's not about pain. No. Then, is it? No, it's I don't ju- think so. It's just, it's about being dominated. Yeah. But, and I also okay. like floating. Sometimes if you get like choked for long enough, then you're like, yeah. oh, I'm so, in a different world. Yeah. So, it, so <laughs> it's really healthy. So it could be about power. But it could also just be like, I like the sensation. Yeah. Right. I think it's both. What I always like, what makes me nervous is the like you can slap me lightly, but don't like slap me as hard as you can across the face like that. Or like, I'm nervous about like the whole whipping thing because mm-hmm. that like seems painful. So like pain is not necessarily light pain is cool, but like, yeah, it's more about the power and authority. And the interesting thing about pain, the interesting thing about people who are kinky and, and explore this is they become like connoisseurs of sensation. It's like, it's mm. like, if you're 16 years old and somebody hands you a bottle of red wine, it's like red wine, right? And mm-hmm, like 30 mm-hmm. years later, if you like red wine, it's like, oh, no, no, that's a Zin. And I was looking for a Shiraz, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, so, and so nobody that I know likes a super broad spectrum of sensation. It's, it, I think the more people identify as masochists, actually, the more narrow their, their preferences become. And it's like, I like to be spanked on my ass cheeks. Do not hit my thighs. And certainly don't slap my face, but you can whip me, but only in the front, not in the back, right? It's like, Ooh. because experience kind of leads to, like, here's what I like and here's what I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's almost contrary to what you would think. It's like people who are vastly experienced don't grow into liking everything. What actually happens, I think, is they become more clear about what they do and don't like. Yeah. One of our goals after talking to you is seeing if Mike can find his BDSM <laughs> kink. We're going to see... As we talk about these, if Sweet. anything jumps out to Mike. Sweet. Sweet. D- despite being gay and out, I have lived a very inhibited, sheltered, vanilla sexual life. And so we were talking before the break about, like, is that just lack of exposure? Like, <laughs> who knows? Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking and find out, I guess. So to, to back up just a little bit, you talked about the Internet being one way for, for, for kinky people or fetishists to find each other. Uh, what is the community like? Is it, is it an identifiable community? Is there a sense of communalism uh, among people who practice BDSM? Is that even the right way to ask it? There, yeah, I think, I think that's a great way to ask it. I think, I think yes and no. Um, when I first started 25, there's been an interesting progression. When I first started 25 years ago, it was, of course, a lot more closeted. The the history kind of up to me where I sort of entered in was there is a whole lot of uh, what was commonly called leather at the time, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a whole tradition of uh, gay BDSM which was called leather. There was a dyke version of it that was also that was more underground, I think, but was equally um, prominent and powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the dyke version was colored strongly by the fact that that the whole women's movement often was in opposition of BDSM even amongst women, mm. and so the 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 uh, kinky women had to contend with actually being condemned by by the lesbian community, 
Oh, interesting. I mean, I know I know dykes who were who were beaten up in in gay bars uh, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, because they were SM women. Mm. So it was it was less than a minority. It was actually uh, people viewed it as violence against women, even if it was women doing it. it was, there was some, there was a lot of confusing politics. Wow, which so, is odd that to combat the violence that they saw in women they beat them up like yes, that's, that's a weird <laughs> people are funny aren't they that's like i um, hate republicans yep. i'm gonna pay more taxes yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. doesn't so so there was so that kind of colored the women the leather dyke community the the men's leather community uh i think became a little more out and a little more free around that and when i came in there was sort of a I mean, it's, there were lots of straight people who were doing kink, but I don't think there was a community around it very much, if that mm. makes sense. Mm, sure. And they, in many ways, kind of joined onto the queer kink community. Uh, and that was around about the time that I came on board. It was probably five years, well, 30 years ago-ish. And I came into what was what was a more and more integrated BDSM community. Mm, mm. And that kind of went along for a while. And then I, what I saw, my personal observation was, as the community grew and became more accessible based on... Uh, partly based on media, right? Based on movies and books and all of that stuff. Long before Fifty Shades, I mean, there was mm-hmm. the Secretary and Story of O, and there's like going going back a long ways, uh, Mr. Benson. Uh, so there was there was a lot of growth, and there was also a lot more acceptance. It was less dangerous to be gay, and also less dangerous to be kinky. And so as it became out, it became more accessible, and more people started finding it, and it grew. And there's not just a larger visible community now. But I think because it's larger, it's less cohesive, hmm. right? And it's uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But in some ways, I think the simplest reason is if you if you show up at a if you get invited to a play party in somebody's home and there are there are thirty people there, and twenty five of them are old hands, if you will, and have been doing this for a while, and there are three or four or five new people, the new people can easily look around and say, "What is normative behavior?" Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. "How do I act mm-hmm. in this environment?" And they, you know, if they're paying attention at all, which they probably are, they wouldn't have been invited. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're paying attention at all, they kind of get the hang of like what normative behavior looks like. And if they stray, they they're kind of easily corrected. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a party today, and there are a hundred people there, and thirty of them are new, it's actually really hard to even discern what normative behavior is. Mm-hmm. And so. So there's a, an interesting social thing that's happened there, I think, where yeah, there is a yeah. lot more diversity in a, um, both in terms of the population and just even in terms of understanding about what's okay and how to do the thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You talked a lot about the intersection of the like kink or BDSM community and the queer community. Like talked about its association with gay and lesbians. Like, did, do you? I guess tell me about like what you think about that intersection between those communities. In many ways, my view is that much of the community around BDSM was built by uh, leather dykes and and leather men and and came out of those two queer communities. And the straight community sort of discovered that and went, oh, maybe we can do this in public. And maybe, (laughs) I mean, I don't think there were 25 years ago or 20 years ago, even in my experience, there were no really straight leather bars. Mm, yeah. Right? Uh, and there, and in Seattle, there was, I guess there was like the Vogue and the Catwalk were kind of straight dance clubs mm. that were mainly fetish, but also had a substantial element of kink. I mean, the, mm. the Catwalk, for instance, had a, had a back room where you could go flog people and tie people up. But that was actually against 
the Washington State Liquor Code. I mean, it's actually mm, yeah. in the in the in the Liquor Code from a hundred years ago. There's a regulation that says you may not flagellate someone in a bar. Or you, <laughs> Or you'd lose your liquor license. What? Yeah. We have rules about that? Yeah, and like 100-year-old rules. So I don't know what that means. I mean, you can... That's crazy. So there was... I mean, the catwalk had a had a buzzer, and a and the bouncer, if they recognized the liquor control people coming in the front doors, would push a buzzer, and everybody would, like, untie each other and stop hitting <laughs> each other. Stop flogging and... I mean, I was in the room when the lights came up and the buzzer went on several times. And this was, this is all... 20 years ago. Ah, uh, fuck, mom's home. We gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that. <laughs> so what about, going back to, like, the queer influence on the kink community, do you, how do you view the straight people that are part of the kink community? Do you think they're more or less accepting of queer people, more or less uh, accepting of poly people? Of It's, it's a generalization, right? Um, but I think generally people who are into an alternate sexuality are you would like to believe and often are more accepting of other alternative sexualities. And we know that there are lots of kinky people who do bondage, but think hitting somebody with a whip is crazy and who would do that. And there are lots of people who whip each other and think piss play is crazy and what kind of fucked up person would do piss play. And there are lots of people who do piss play that think that that's great, but doing scat is completely unreasonable. And so it's, I think there is a human desire to find somebody to look down on mm-hmm. and it's, and it's sad uh, and it's, but it's kind of a recurring theme. And so I, I would like to believe that because we're kinky, we think that queers are great and gays are great and transgender people are great. And I, my experience with that has been mixed in terms of my my peers and my friends. I mean, well, my friends, it's, my experience is not mixed, but um, but the people I run into professionally, it's I, I think there's a higher than average tendency to be accepting, but it's not nearly as universal as I would like. It's really interesting. I think, and maybe this is an opportunity to educate me. When I think through the, the list of things that you just said, I can think of lots of those things that aren't for me, or at least I'm pretty sure that they're not for me. Um, but I don't look down on people that do that but there's a i'll talk about scat scat specifically right like that there's something about that that like is viscerally i don't like it like and so i'm okay with other people doing whatever they want to in the privacy of their own home but when i try to put myself into that it's really uh, i don't i don't i don't get it you know (laughs) you know what i mean um is there is there a difference there right like is it is it yeah, I mean, I'm I'm drawing a real clear distinction between what you just said, which is like, nope, that doesn't work for me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And you should be like stoned and put in jail, <laughs> yeah, right? Because right. those are very different things. Yeah. And I, uh, and what I'm talking about specifically is is that I would like to believe that if if you are kinky, that you don't think anybody should be stoned and put in jail unless you're actually doing non consensual things, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that if both people are into it, like then there's valid consent that it's all good. <laughs> I got to admit the first time that you said stoned, I didn't think like Bible. I thought like weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to find God. a different metaphor. <laughs> got a punishment of getting stoned. Yeah. It's like sweet. I'd bring it. I know. <laughs> so, so I, I, I do want to ask, I, I have this on my notes. How does someone start? Somebody like me, no exposure. Don't even know if I would be into it or not. Let me back up. Mm-hmm. Let me back up. Does a person know that they're into BDSM before they try it? Is that like, is there something compelling about that experience that they seek it out? Or is it something they sort of stumble upon and then they have an aha moment that, oh, this is for me? How did it, let's, how did it start for you? (laughs) Yes. How did it start? That sounds like a, that doesn't, I don't know if that sounds like. When did you know? (laughs) Well, in my own case, I'm a slow learner. 
and I I was in my mid thirties before I figured this out. And so if you if you've done the math, I'm sixty one. I kind of said I did this. I've been doing this for since ninety two, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I actually had a couple. I mean, I have some experiences I can look at uh, during puberty and as a teenager. Uh, I was married and uh, with a female partner for twenty, and that's not true for fourteen years, kind of out of college, mm-hmm. and. There were actually some flirtations with kinky stuff in the middle of that, and I sort of did them not very well, and she was kind of good giving in game, but she said, uh, no, I don't really think I like that. And so I actually concluded that, oh, I don't think anybody really does kinky stuff. It's all just in my head. And and then I got divorced, and I thought, you know, I kind of have this more and more urgent desire to explore this. And I kind of went out and looked, and as it happened, it was a lot easier to find than it had been 14 years earlier because internet and stuff. Yeah. And I went, oh, there's, it's like here's a room where people are hitting each other, and they're liking it, and I'm digging that. And, oh, here's like people who look helpless and like they're being submissive, and, oh, I like that. And so I began exploring it. But I was in my mid-30s before I began exploring it, before I really identified uh, and some of that is is just access to information and language. Some of it is um, it was just buried because I was busy doing other things. Some of it because I just thought it wasn't available and possible. Huh. <laughs> Here's a story for you. I when I was when I was uh, still married and still kind of at the end of that and thinking I think there's like a kinky thing I want to do and I don't know what it is and I don't know how to find it. I was at it was in Portland on a business trip and I went into a sex toy store called Spartacus. Hmm? And there was a eight and a half by eleven piece of paper on the wall that said on a bulletin board, a cork bulletin board, that said orgasm, organ association of SM. And I went, <laughs> and I went, oh fuck, people do this. I want it. I want it. And and there were little tear off tabs on the number. This is old technology, yeah, right? There were yeah. tear off tabs at the bottom with phone numbers. And I and I tore one off and made sure it said nothing but the phone number because I was so scared. And I put it in my wallet. This was pre-cell phones. And I carried it around, and I carried it around, and I carried it around, and I was afraid to call. And in retrospect, I can't tell you what I was afraid of, right? It's like it's like somebody was going to leap through the phone and do something to me. Yeah. But I was afraid. And uh, I have a very vivid recollection of that. And I finally went to a phone booth, because who would make this kind of a call from their home? <laughs> and I dialed the number, <laughs> and it was disconnected because I had waited too long. Too long. Oh. And it was like another five years probably before I actually found community. And I have lots of people. I have several of those stories. Lots of people I know have stories like that. And so <laughs> I think we people often have kind of a growing awareness, and it's... You can plot this little graph where, like, your need to find it overcomes your, you know, intersects the line of fear of looking for it. Yeah. If you're a young listener, we've included definitions of the word phone booth and paper <laughs> yep, in the you. show notes. Yeah, you, know, you forgot. Was, you don't know what either one of those are. Thank you for that. I was trying to be careful with the bulletin board description. <laughs> Cork, um, thumbtacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, that that's really interesting because so much of that I can relate to of you know, dabbling and then being scared and then backing off about being gay or kind of knowing something is a little bit different than the ordinary, but he, but feeling like I can't actually do that thing. Like, yeah, I, I re, and then like kind of accepting it and coming out. Yeah, I feel like so much of that parallels to the, you know, anyone that's queer and has come out. Absolutely. So. And, and then once you get to the other side of that, some of it is real, right? And you actually do experience some of the negative things you feared and... I think for many of us, three quarters of it is not real. It was just, it was like, oh, well, okay, that's, 
here it is. Yeah. Why well, was I so scared about and, this? And some of that's who you hang out with and what your mm. job is and where you live. And right. I mean, it's like we could be having this discussion in Iowa and it would probably feel different yeah, than Seattle. For sure. For, for that person who feels that draw or is aware of that draw and they want to overcome that fear, where do they go to these days? Like, what? how do they start? What do they do? The, pretty much wherever you are these days, if you if you Google like BDSM and your city, I mean, if you Google BDSM Des Moines, you will find stuff. Mm. Uh, and some of it will be porn, but some of it will be an educational forum. Some of it will be uh, a munch. There's a lot of things called munches, which are uh, designed to be meeting, physical meeting places where people meet in restaurants or coffee shops. Uh, there's nothing kinky that's done. It's just an opportunity to meet and discuss and in fact, the kind of the working definition of the best the best munches are held in a place where you can cruise by and look at it without outing yourself. <laughs> and so it's like the front room of a place with a glass with a window. So you can walk by the sidewalk and say, I'm scared. I'm going to keep walking. Right. And because this is we, we all experience this thing. Right. Yeah. And so it's the munches are designed to be accessible. And part of that is an opportunity to not walk into the room and say, here I am. Oh, fuck. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I so, gave up munching after my first marriage. <laughs> <laughs> different different munching i think yeah <laughs> i should look up the origin of that word i'm sure that's different so munches are good i actually always i have i mean i will disclose of course that i do education and so i have a vested interest here but i think looking for education is is a great way not only to learn about kink but it's a great way to meet people and find community if you go to a party and you're new you are likely to be either fresh meat and uh get a lot of attention or not fresh meat and get no attention and feel very excluded. Mm. And it's and it's hard and and people are often not as chatty at parties because they kind of have agendas, right? Mm. I mean it's kind of hit on me. Uh and the music's loud and it's hard to see what's, you know, it's like it's it's a it's a show and it's an opportunity to do BDSM in public, but it's in some ways the a, a really difficult environment to meet people in and actually have a discussion and swap a phone number and see if you like each other. Mm. Um, education, I think, is nice because if you both show up for a workshop on cock and ball bondage, you probably are both interested in cock and ball bondage or at least learning about it. And so you know you've got some shared interest. It's easy to chat. It's maybe even easy to, like, do practice things together, whatever the workshop is. And, and it's bounded, right? At the end of the workshop, it's like, thanks, that was fun. I'm leaving. I'm going home. I don't have to, like, do anything. Mm. And so it's a safe place to meet people often. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Bounded and bounded. I don't know if you did the bounded. I didn't, but I, they just they just happen. Once they just you, happen. Once you start talking about bondage, it's like the world is full of puns. It seems. Oh, it's <laughs> beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. For the mics of the world, though, the me's of the world, that I really don't feel any draw, at least not one that I'm aware of, should I try it anyway? I, I don't think it's... My, my first response to that is any sentence that involves the word should raises the hair on the back of my neck. Yeah. Right? So, so no, I don't think you should do any damn thing that you don't feel drawn to do. If you feel drawn for some reason, I mean, there's a difference between feeling drawn and kind of overcoming inertia or overcoming fear and feeling like you just have to do something for some external reason, right? Yeah. I think if you have a partner who is interested, that's a reason. I think if you feel like there is some itch that you've never really identified and maybe you want to explore it, that's a reason. But I, I think there is... The the reason I like BDSM, the reason it's important to me, is it is the most effective tool I'm aware of to build intimacy. Hmm. And for me, the payoff is intimacy. And hmm. and 
in order to do BDSM, you have to have conversations and you have to be vulnerable. Both people have to be vulnerable in ways that lead to a lot of intimacy. And if you are open to that and you like that and you desire that, it's a really effective way to get there. Interesting. So, go ahead. My uh, therapist... Oh, are you going to therapize me right yes, now? Yes, oh, yes. I'm going to do it while pointing a pen at you. Okay, oh, great. For some reason. <laughs> it just feels more therapy-like. I think you want to explore kinks because you feel guilty or bad that you're not into it, and you feel like you should be. Like, I feel like the gay community makes you feel like you should be kinkier than you are, and you're content with the like what you do. But then everyone else is like doing all this other shit. And you're like, oh, maybe I should do that. Yeah. I forget if I have on the podcast before or not. But I have, I have often complained to friends, doctors, whoever, that I have a low libido. And I wouldn't call myself asexual. I enjoy sex. But it it's it just doesn't seem to be the, the, the compelling drive that I see in my fellow humans, especially my fellow men. And I keep thinking... Someday I'm going to find my thing and it's going to awaken this inferno of sexual energy that's in here somewhere. And I'm just unaware of it right now and haven't found it yet. So I do push myself into trying things that I actually am not conscious of any real interest in, hoping that I'm someday going to find that landmine and and just become just a fuck machine or something you know you know what i mean <laughs> fuck machines have you tried that <laughs> I, well, I tried the auto blow it didn't work out so well all right Ooh, that sounds like a hairdryer <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hairdryer for your dick yeah moving on a little bit unless you have more therapizing to do oh well i have way more but we'll do okay. all that you'll lay down on the couch and we'll do that after so this i did a little bit of uh research on bdsm and kink and I'm interested to get your take, Max, on some of these things that uh, found. Um, so it's interesting. We were talking about some of the parallels between the kink community and the gay community. I think one thing that is similar is the American Psychiatric Association uh, removed from the DSM. The That's like the manual mm-hmm. that describes all the things what's the pc with the things that are fucked up about people what's the nice way of saying that <laughs> it's the a, PC. psychiatric diagnostic codes is what it is yeah there yep. you go like here's here's a number in a paragraph that says you are this kind of fucked up yes you're this, <laughs> this type of fucked up here's a description mm-hmm. but they removed sadism masochism cross-dressing and fetishes in 2013 yes so what is st- I, have, I have friends who were very involved in making that really yeah, wow there's there was a whole movement as you would expect yeah which is i, I think very similar to a lot of the Uh, minorities within the queer community of, you know, transgender or gay or lesbian, all these were categorized as disorders that need to be fixed. Whereas, um, so now what is still in there is called paraphilic disorder. This is one. Okay. So paraphilia, I had to look that up as well. And it's one of my favorite definitions, any intense and persistent sexual interest other than sexual interest in genital stimulation or preparatory fondling. (laughs) <laughs> which the phrase preparatory fondling is like <laughs> sign me up what i know it's like every is oh well i don't know isn't everything preparatory fondling if you want it to be that seems so broad that everyone has that like sexual interest in anything other than like touching genitals like or the things that lead to genital touching um but the dis so that's that's legit that's cool it's a disorder when it causes harm to yourself or other people and that's and that's i think where the dsm has wound up wound up for most of this now is that 
doing the thing is no longer considered a disorder. Hmm. But if you do it to the point of uh, harming yourself or the people around you or, you know, not being able to function, then it's a disorder. Hmm. I mean, it's like playing solitaire on your computer is not a disorder. But if you don't ever leave the house because you're addicted to playing solitaire on your computer, that's a disorder. Yeah. Right. So it's like that. Yeah. Which that seems way like, yeah, very reasonable on most things. Yeah. When it starts causing you harm. Mm -hmm. So playing playing solitaire on your computer is my new favorite euphemism for jacking off to porn. (laughs) (laughs) I won. (laughs) I won. (laughs) Um, Deal it again. (laughs) Deal again. Let's go again. Um, But I do want to ask about, so uh, you mentioned identifying as uh, straight, wait, or mostly straight. You said you tried, but straightish. <laughs> when I feel like I can get away with it, I identify as queer, but I okay. but I only fuck women. Okay, so, whatever. Yeah, so so far. Okay, so t- I'm curious, and you've mentioned this before, like the sexual versus non-sexual parts of kinkiness, and I think this is a good time to ask about that. Like, how do, you, given you're someone who fucks women, how do you feel when the like kink is with men, or you're teaching men, or you're tying a man up or doing i feel great about it okay tell me tell me about that (laughs) so this is this is a growing awareness right i'm it's taken me a lot of years to sort of parse this out and i and i started out having a bunch of gay friends and being close to queer culture and i mean when my best man and best friend when i got married in 1979 was a gay man so so there's kind of a there's a comfort and a familiarity there but it was just that. And as I, but as I started exploring kink, what I noticed is that I, there's, let's start with polyamory. I'm going to approach this from the back door, so to speak. So, <laughs> it's always a good place to Kyle's start. Kyle's favorite way to start. Excellent. <laughs> um, so when I started exploring kink, I looked around and I, and there, this is a culture that values skills and particular skills. And it also, there is such a, f- a granularity of like orientations and interests that if you if you have a room of a hundred kinky people, it's like okay, well there are ten of them who are really good with a single tail whip, and there are five of them who really like being whipped with a single tail, or maybe thirty of them, and there are some people who are really good at bondage, and there are people who are really drawn to submission, and so you sort of you sort of sort out that. You, it's like you throw that up in the air like iron filings in a magnet and they kind of come down where they need to come down so people find each other. Hmm. And if you are already in a relationship when you do this, you notice that you are attracted to lots of people who are not the person you're in the relationship with. I mean, hopefully you are also attracted to the person you're in the relationship with, but there's all these other modalities and all these other attractions. And so that kind of leads to poly in some broad way. And so a lot of kinky people... Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any reliable numbers. But in my experience, probably the vast majority of kinky people play with multiple people other than their primary partner. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. I say play, I mean do BDSM-y things. Mm-hmm. And so that it, might what, include... Is, is that different than, than our have an open relationship? Like, is it... I think it might be. Okay. Because when I say this, what I mean is I might... Uh, I might have a partnership, hypothetically, and it's like, here it is, we're monogamous, we're having this primary partnership, but I think you're really cute, and I think it would be fun if I put you in handcuffs and led you around at a party. (laughs) And so let's spend an evening doing that. Does that make me not monogamous? So, So now... 
I think you're really cute, and let's, I mean, gender, regardless of gender, I think you're really cute, and what if, like, I get you naked and put handcuffs on you and lead you around at a party, and I spank your ass, and I pat your butt, and I play with your junk, and we don't fuck. Does that make me non-monogamous? Hmm. Right? And so there's a lot of this kind of gray activity mm-hmm. where it's like, well, I I don't know. Are we having sex yet? Right? Mm-hmm. Do you think there are 50 shades of them? I think, I think there are hundreds of shades. <laughs> okay. I think there are. I'm not going to take that. <laughs> I, there is, there's a woman named Laura Antinou who's an author who defines sex as anything that increases the potential for an orgasm. So... I could argue that we're having sex right now, right? So, so I think that's I think that's over I think that's overbroad, but the but the thing is, if you engage in a lot of kinky stuff in any kind of public way or community way, let's say, you meet other people who do other kinky things, and you feel often feel drawn to do some kind of kinky thing with somebody other than your primary partner, and you build bonds and you build these intimate relationships, and maybe they become sexual, maybe they don't, right? So, so there's a lot of, and in fact, I have lots of people in my life who I do BDSM with, who I don't fuck, and yet I still consider them to be sort of part of my poly mm-hmm. relationship circle mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's this intimacy. And I mean, some of them have, again, I've been doing this with them, some of them for years. And so there's, there's intimacy. There isn't penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so then you go from that to a realization personally that I have lots of people that I do BDSM with who I don't fuck who are women because I started out playing with women because it's like, oh, this is the thing that attracts me mainly. And then I started going, oh, but, you know, hitting somebody who's big and burly and has muscles is really nice. (laughs) (laughs) And tying somebody up who's got, you know, this kind of physique is really nice. And like putting rope around somebody's cock and balls is actually not an option with my girlfriend. And there's there's all these other things that are actually really sweet. And is that like an interest in a sexual way or something else? For me, right, this is only my experience. Yeah. Uh, it is almost entirely not. It doesn't get my dick hard. And I'm resisting saying, is it a sexual way? Because it's like, I don't know. I kind of mm. define that pretty broadly. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, most of the time when I play with women, it doesn't get my dick hard. Mm. It's like, if I play with a woman who I'm going to fuck, it gets my dick hard. Mm. If I play with a woman who I'm going to do this other stuff with, it probably doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so how is that different from playing with a guy who I'm not going to fuck, as opposed to playing with a girl who I'm not going to fuck, right? Uh, it, has, it has led to a lot of comfort and broadened my understanding of where I can find intimate encounters with people. And I love that. Okay, some other things that I found that I thought were really interesting. The National Coalition for Sexual Freedom mm-hmm. Survey. So I, when I was looking for some of the like data points, there's like not that much on it. And like when I was looking at the NCSF's website, it's like, some of their references because there's not too many studies like goes back to like the fifties of like someone actually did this research. And it's one of the references was a survey playboy did to, and it's like, that's cool. I almost gave, I almost quoted playboy as a research study until I found some better information, but you actually would read it for the articles. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing in there for me. Um, okay. But other things I found from the NCSF, that I thought were interesting. Um, there's a whole host of data that they got the most frequently practiced 
activities Ooh. based on their uh, the survey. What do you what do you think would be like up top of like people's favorite kinky or BDSM activity? Certainly, my observation. I think the most common activity is bondage of some kind. Hmm. Yeah. Like okay. So one of them is one of the most common ones is role or. Yeah, one of the most commonly reported activities that people said is role-playing as a submissive partner, such as slave, criminal, pupil, etc., which I had never even thought of role-playing as a criminal. So hmm. you can play... It's like cops and robbers, right? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> cops and robbers for yeah. adults. <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, I mean, that's often what that is. It's like, look, I'm going to like arrest you and put... You're going to get handcuffed. handcuffs on you. Ta-da, here we come back to the handcuffs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, Throw you in the back of my squad car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rough you up a little bit. <laughs> Get you down to the station. <laughs> okay. Um, so come back. Come I, back. I, I, <laughs> uh, and then others are being spanked or slapped mm-hmm. and uh, using sex toys or having them used on you. And some of the, one of the least frequent ones, <laughs> I looked for like the smallest percentage of people that said they did it. And one of them is having my partner act childlike or role play as a child. Hmm. It's one of the less frequent ones. See, and I think that's very common. Oh, really? I agree with that. Wow. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the child thing is for me. See, when you were talking earlier about the stereotype of the like high-powered executive that wants to be submissive, I immediately thought of um, uh, the the guy uh, the diaper play. They're the guys that mm-hmm. that want to find somebody to treat them like a, a literal baby. They wear diapers and and have their mommy and all of that stuff. And and when I say when I think of age play, I think of a whole gamut from from like diapers and infantilism to like dark you know, it's like I'm gonna fuck you even though you're an eight-year-old and you know pretending to be an eight-year-old um to a lot of stuff that's actually very sweet I mean I um my partner Lily and I have part of a, a, a facet of our relationship is a daddy-girl relationship mm-hmm. and the way that looks is when she's having a tough time often we get out a coloring book and she sits on the floor and I pet her head and she colors Right, and it's soothing, and it's sweet, yeah. and it's intimate, and it's supportive. Yeah. And I would say that is in the realm of age play. I mean, it is. It is, and and lots of people talk about daddy boy relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, doing it for daddy, right? All of that, and so it's not there. You can almost make no assumptions about what that means, right? Is that about diapers, or is that about a coloring book once a month? And I, 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 I'm always careful to say I don't think BDSM is therapy. I think therapy happens like with a therapist who has <laughs> skills. <and training>. <laughs> a <laughs> therapist like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think BDSM can be therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think if you have been in a position in your in your past where you did not have power and you felt powerless and you were, you felt powerless. Let's leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever mm-hmm. bad thing happened, I think having an opportunity to be dominant may help resolve that. Hmm. I think actually having an opportunity to be submissive often may help address that because it's an opportunity to say, I am a fucking kick-ass person and I would like to be submissive with you because it's hot. Hmm. And that completely reframes that thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually uh, being thoughtful, thoughtfully entering into all of these different dynamics is an opportunity, I think, to, to reframe a lot of history for a lot of people. That's cool. Oh, this is sweeter than I imagined BDSM. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, it's intimate. That's yeah. the word I keep using. Yeah, right? totally. So the part that I am, like, honestly sort of terrified, but, like, let's do it, uh, it's show-and-tell time. 
show oh, and tell. Oh, I'm film. really excited about this. Yeah? yeah. Th- that's a role reversal. Typically, when we were about oh. to do, do something like uh, our, our drag episode comes to mind as mm-hmm. the, the most uh, specific example of this. When, when Kyle is nervous about something, it gives me license to be really brave. And the, that's not what's happening tonight, and it's really odd. It's, it's, <laughs> I, it's a weird feeling. I am usually don't like new things, and that gives me anxiety, and that makes me not want to do them, but not now. All right. I feel so badly about not bringing handcuffs tonight. Okay. <laughs> like, if, if only I had known. I mean... <laughs> bring me back, and I will bring handcuffs. Fair enough. Um, no, no, no. You don't have to do that. You have a rope. Yeah, I can volunteer to be roped. Or no, I feel like... Well, you can... I won't. Throw, I'll let you decide, Mike. All right. You, what you're... <laughs> well, well, actually, in the finest traditions of consent, if you, Kyle, decided that Mike should get tied up, I would basically ignore that and say, Mike, what would you <laughs> yeah. like? Because that's how that works. Yeah, totally. Let's start with what did you bring? How about that? Is okay. That... <laughs> that's really safe. This is a like new that. segment called What's in Your Bag? <laughs> uh, so I brought some rope. I brought a single tail whip. And I brought... A little stun gun, which makes a nice noise. Okay, that one I'm nervous about. Excellent. <laughs> that shows your good judgment. You should be nervous about that. <laughs> you should probably also be, well, you should be nervous about all of them, but this this stun gun is a little stunny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes a very nice noise. It, it's an old one. I brought one that is sort of small and portable and friendly. Oh. And so, so the battery's probably only good for, you know, 20 apps or something all right so we'll have to <laughs> but we really should, think, we can at least discharge it you know near microphone and okay everybody share share that because it's okay. i think even i think even over somebody else's headphones huh? you know in timbuktu or wherever they are listening to your part podcast i think they'll twitch and that's nice that, <laughs> that, make, that makes me feel good all right. could twitch in a good way yeah could twitch in a bad way yeah. oh it's all good mike is exploring what kink he may have but also you the listener can at least orally explore what kinks you may like to listen to a u r not mm-hmm. not o r a no okay no great unless you like put this you put your phone in your mouth all this happens there's yeah it's a u um yeah why don't why don't you bust your junk out of the <laughs> let it's us like, play with ahead, it where's this going why don't i bust <laughs> there's so many places for it's like i'm, I'm yeah. game yeah that's what's happening here all okay. right great. and should we pick like one person each to try them out on <laughs> Sure. Uh, I'm actually willing to get shocked, but that's because I grew up on a farm and I got shocked by the electric fence all the time. And I'm not saying I liked it, but at least I'm like, I know what that's about. This is is kind of in the same family as an electric fence shock. I can get through that. Okay. (laughs) All right. And I'm down with the the rope thing. I don't know about who's maybe, I don't know about the whip thing. We can just, actually, here's the thing. If you Mm -hmm. want to play with the whip thing, I came in here wearing a leather jacket. We're going to put the leather jacket on one of you, if you would like. Oh. And I'll whip you on the leather jacket. And you'll feel it, but it's not. It'll be like, yep. Oh, yeah. I just got hit on my leather jacket. On gotcha. Max's leather jacket. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. For those of you who are following along at home, Max is reaching in his jacket pocket and pulling out another piece of rope. Because he Ooh. pretty much always has a piece of rope in his jacket pocket. <laughs> or in his laptop bag. Or in his glove box in his car. Because you just never know when you're going to need a piece of rope. Never know. A BDSM emergency. BDSM emergency. Exactly. BDSM emergency. <laughs> Don't give me that look. It was kind of, it was a little funny. Okay, this is great. Okay. Who am I putting rope on? Me. 
Okay, let's let's start with this. Let's start with about a 10-foot piece of 6-millimeter hemp rope. So let's just put rope around your wrists. How's that? Have you, yeah. been, have you been tied up before? Uh, I've been... You can take the fifth. I'm, I don't need to out you right here. Oh, no, we've talked about way... Um, I've been, like, handcuffs, but not, like... Okay. Like hand, like normal handcuffs. They're like leather, like okay, different. Yep, yep. Handcuffs. So that's that's so, the so most. So the nice I've... thing about rope is it's flexible, and you can just do anything with it. But certainly, one thing you can do with it is wrap a few wrists, loops around your wrists. How you doing there? Good. You're tied up. Um, I'm like in my head. It's like you. It would be like behind my back, so I couldn't do anything. Is that weird? No. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to do it now, but that's just how okay. I picture it. Can I? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's do a different thing. Okay. Because Friday is the spice of life. <laughs> My mother taught me that, and she just never imagined. But <laughs> she had no idea okay. what she was. She does now, but that's another. I don't know. We can talk about coming out to families, can't we? So the the other thing I'm going to suggest we do isn't painful, but it is sort of more. Sort of, if you will, it's it's maybe more dominant okay. in terms of the energy that I would put into it, uh, and it's it's um, it'll be a position with your hands kind of behind your back like this. Sweet. Shall we explore that? Yeah. Okay. So let's let you escape from this here. <laughs> and I have a thirty-foot piece of hemp rope here. And I'm gonna just like kind of. Oh. Oh. And the way you're doing it this time is different than last time. Like, you're being a little bit more like, yeah, direct or forceful. I yeah. like that too. Yeah, a little more assertive. Yeah. Pretty good. Good. You're tied up. <laughs> you look nice and rope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good look on you. I'm into it. Rope is the gateway drug. Okay. Oh, is that the? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people go. I don't know if I want to like get needles put in me or get single tail, but I'll tie me up. Yeah. And then after you kind of explore that for a while, it's like, so what else is there? I like this more than I thought I would. All right. Sweet. Um, okay. So we just did some roping on my hands in person. Is that a verb? Is that like me? Yeah, we, we roped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got roped. Rope, roped, have roped, yeah. rope. I'm just, yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to do that more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, Yeah. I could have like some some good feelings about that. You you had asked, um, "Hey, Mike, what do you think about this?" Yeah, or something to that effect. Yeah, and I would be okay with everything that I saw, but I don't know that it would do anything for me if that makes sense. Hmm. Like, if if I had a partner that wanted to tie me up because they were super into that, I I, I would be I would be down for that, like for them. Mm-hmm. Not for you, but, but just like at least watching that and not going through the experience. Just it, I, I was kind of like, huh, all right, seems okay. No, well, tying up is like, but, I have this like I've thought about that. I've been handcuffed once, but like I've thought about that actively before. So like, it's an unscratched itch. Yeah, <laughs> slightly scratched. Now. So yeah, mildly scratched. <laughs> an introduction <laughs> to scratching <laughs> so far. <laughs> And, and there's no requirement to be into it, right? Right. And it's, yeah. it's, I mean, I, I, I love uh, your sort of the way you approach this with a sense of inquiry and, and uh, inquisitiveness. Hmm. Uh, do you want to try the whip? Sure. Who, which, well, I mean, we'll do that next. Do you want to do it or should I do it? Do you want to get whipped, Kyle? Sure. 
Let's do that. Okay. Okay. I'm nervous. It's like, who signs up to be whipped? <laughs> you did. I do. I did. Yes, I did. It's true. So I'm going to start out just kind of arranging it a little bit. So you can hear the whip. Yeah, it's behind me. <laughs> so I'm going to, before I even hit you, I'm going to crack it once so we can all experience the noise of that. Ready? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Jesus. So most of the time I don't do the head skin, but you can. Usually what I do is I hit people more like this. Now I can just like feel it barely touching me. Okay. So Mike can probably see the little indentations in the leather from where he's standing. Just little little straight marks. How much of that's okay. getting through, Kyle? It's I'm it's like someone barely like touching me on the back, so it like doesn't hurt at all. Okay. And I just like feel a tapping. Would you like me to wrap it up a little? Yeah. Ooh. I could, yeah. That now I can like start to feel it and like it's a little a little sting, but like it doesn't hurt. It's like so I'm guessing actually that if you looked on your shirt after we're done here, you would see some red marks. Mm, that's exciting. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Want some more of those? Wait, can I take off my, the jacket and try it without it? Yes. All right, hold on. <laughs> I feel like you can do like the same level of hardness as like. The max that you did. I won't. I'm, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to no, start. No. Yeah. There. Okay. Okay. Oh, and I'm nervous again. Excellent. And I will confess, I kind of like the nervousness. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I mean, it, I mean, it's a, there's an energy here, right? There's yeah. a there's a there's a little sizzle, a little tingle. All right. So it's it's touching me on the shirt, not getting through yet. So it's like it's like the foreplay to the whipping. Yeah. Well, foreplay is important. How are you doing there? I'm doing good. This is on a scale of one to ten. Of like ten is like no fucking way, and one is like, have you started yet? Where are we? Uh, have you started yet? Okay. So more. Yeah. All right. Now I'm getting somewhere. That's like probably near near the most I would want it. Can you do like can you do like one hard one just so I can? So is on that... one to ten, where is this? That's like a. Two. Okay, so two. How, how much harder do you want? Uh, do like a five. Okay. And of course there's this. Woo! Let's not do that! <laughs> <laughs> because just the sound is part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, even without hitting you, that counts. Right? Oh, really? Oh, that's I mean, part well, of the thing is like well, the I mean, sound don't you, of it? Don't you think? I guess it, like it does play into the nervous. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's all part of the experience. Yeah, I never thought about like... But you almost doing it is like the buildup of, like in sex when you're like dancing around their mouth and not, but not kissing them or so dancing around their anticipation. Dick and and yeah, that gave me a flashback a little bit to um, towel snapping in the locker room in yep. high school. Yep, 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 yep. It's not. A, it's a similar sensation. I don't yeah. know what Jesus was complaining about. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh it wasn't so bad. It's like, come on. Uh, Do you want to look at your back? Because I, sus- I suspect you've got marks there. I mean, I wouldn't expect giant marks, but... Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's, there's a photo op. Yeah. <laughs> if you want. Can I, can I, where's your phone or my phone? Ooh. <laughs> huh. It didn't... I mean, it like, kind of stung, but did, I didn't... I wouldn't have thought it would leave that for how much it stung. So, so my assessment... I mean, there is no international scale here, right? It's, there's no... 
I can't say, well, that was a 3.7 on the DIN scale, or, yeah. right? <laughs> but having said that, that was not trivial, actually. Um, you, I think, absorb more than you think you just absorb. Huh. Let's go plug back in and chat about this for a minute. Okay. Okay. I I always was like, no, whipping, no, like that looks super painful. I would never do it. And now uh, my mind has changed. Like, like this is a new and exciting, you want to go to there in the future kind of a thing? I think there's a lot of exploration that I didn't, that I need to do with like both ropes and like other things. Hmm. And I would like want to do, particularly like putting, it'd be like fun to put these things into like a sexual, like the naked sexual context. Hmm. That would be fun. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So stepping away from thinking, how are you feeling right now, Kyle? You feeling different than you were 15 minutes ago? Um, I mean, before I was like, especially right before, like you started, I was feeling anxious and unsure, but now I feel like I'm like more calm and a little bit more open and like more energy, like a weird energy that I now have Mm -hmm. that I didn't have before. So, I mean, even your affect, the way you're sitting is slightly different. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Like you look both calmer and more awake at the same time. Kind of keyed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I, I am like 13 years old and I snuck a peek of gay porn for the first time. And then I just closed it. And now I'm sitting with my family. Like, you know, like (laughs) in the back of my head, I'm like, I want to get back to that. There's like something cool out there that I just found. And I feel like, I'm like, that's neat. Excellent. So, you know, so gay men don't recruit, but kinky people do. Oh, there it is. There it is. There's the ugly truth. It's like the evangelicals have it wrong. (laughs) It's the kinky agenda. (laughs) Kinky, what's the kinky agenda? Uh, whip, whip them into. It's like media kinky agenda is like, come on in, the water's fine. That's yeah. the kinky agenda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we try the the stun gun? Is that what it's called? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the thing first. So, so I have this little thing that's basically a flashlight. It looks uh, like a flashlight. It is a flashlight. Oh, it is a flashlight. See, <laughs> it, is, it is a flashlight. Um, and it has two buttons. It has a flashlight button and it has a button that doesn't do anything uh, unless you put in this little safety. Oh, okay. Uh, and if you put in the little safety, the flashlight button is a flashlight and the other button does this. Whoa! Oh, jeez. Okay, I knew what you were doing and that still scared me. And so as with the single tail, even if you don't, even if there's no sensation, just the noise is actually part of the experience, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would bet that all of us just had a little adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. I jumped. And, and that's a whole fun thing to play with, right? And so so sometimes, I mean, I actually don't even have to shock you to play with this, right? I mean, we could, like, just do this. Yep. Um, and, and, <laughs> and we're, I mean, like, there's kind of a whole little scene happening right there, regardless of the physical sensation. Yeah. Or we can add the physical sensation. Can I touch it? Yeah, I was going to suggest that you do that. So it's, it will not break skin, but it's pointy just to make a good contact. Yeah. Right? So, like, if it was through a t-shirt or something, it'll kind of make some skin contact. It looks like something from Star Trek. It does. And all, and all the other <laughs> things are not, not pointy, really. Mike, how are you feeling? You're about to get stun gun. My heart is racing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like there's a little moment of like how did this happen yeah. right? what like, brought us it's, here it's, it's my darn podcast and, and now look what's happening it's like how did this even happen um so you don't have to do it of course we can just put it right away here i've got a little case for it i'll just put it right away um describe the shock for me like is it describable 
uh, this is not a giant one in terms of the sensation. Hmm. I, I would also say that people buy these as like personal protective devices, right? Like women carry these in their purses and stuff. And I, my experience, and I think your experience is going to be motherfucker, but it's not going to knock you down. Hmm? And so if like you're protecting yourself from some big burly person, I think your best move is to make a lot of noise with it and scare them. Mm. Because once you shock them with it, they're going to go motherfucker. Oh, that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're in trouble. Cause you've like, <laughs> you know, if that was, if that was your game, it's like game over. Okay. Um, so sometimes I have people shock themselves. You want to shock yourself? And the place, may, may I touch your arm? Mm-hmm. The place I would suggest is kind of like somewhere up here, kind of in the meat of the muscle. But not through the shirt? You can do it through the shirt. I. It's not going to change anything. You might set fire to the shirt. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> so maybe Probably not. not. Mike, do you want to do this? Okay. Okay, so let's put it back on your arm. Good. All right, now gently move your finger. You don't need to do this. Would you like to do this? <sighs> Would you like to do this? It's a question. Don't do it yet. I don't know. I don't know. You don't have to do this. I don't think I want to. <laughs> okay. Then take it away from your arm. Take the safety out. <laughs> I feel bad, but don't feel bad. This is this is an important thing we just did, right? Uh. This is actually all of this is about. People talk about consent, but what consent really means is understanding what you want and what you don't want and being able to communicate that and having the other person listen, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's more complicated than just like, is this okay? Mm-hmm. And so at some body level, right? It's like, do you want to do this or not? Yeah. And so why don't you set it up? Take a breath. So if we were like on a date, I would say we've actually just had an experience. It doesn't matter whether you got shock, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember me talking about intimacy, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You, there's some of that that's formed in this process, right? Yep. We, we, we just did a thing together. Yep. And even if we didn't get to the point of doing the last thing and pushing the button, this all counts, mm. right? I mean, I, if I had a date and this was part of it and, this was, and we didn't do the electrical part, it's like, that's okay. Mm. We, we went through this whole thing together and that's lovely and sweet and intimate and powerful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and maybe if you invite me back for another podcast you say and hey max bring that thing because after we're done i want to do that again i thought about it tomorrow (laughs) right and maybe you don't right it's not there's no right answer there Mm. but just where we are right now is lovely and it's um it's for me the thing that's juicy here is not that final moment of the shock although that's nice it's the process right it's not Mm. like a destination thing it's a process thing (laughs) <laughs> what do you, how are you feeling mike um i feel uh grateful and safe so that's good mm-hmm. i do feel um like disappointed that in what that i didn't that when it came to the moment i really didn't want to but then that also makes me proud that i didn't yeah um this is uh, the part that I was talking about, like, it seems like you want to, in this case, it was because we said you would do it to the podcast people and you're not doing it. So you feel like you're letting other people down, but that's, I think you're right to like be, be happy and proud that you didn't want to do it. And you said no, because like, it shouldn't be about other people or what you said you would do. And great point about consent. Like, even if you've said you've done it and you get 
it all the way to your arm and you say, no, I don't want to do this. You've drawn a line of consent. That's important to recognize. So I think, I think you're the type of person that wants to please everyone and wants to help everyone feel good. And this should be totally about what you want to do and nothing else. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would go back to the thing you said, which is you feel proud about that. And I, I think that's terrific. I think you should. Yeah. Right. We could do that one more time. <laughs> one last shock. Should we do that Let's one more do time? Do it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Woo! I even saw you doing it and I still jumped when I heard it. Okay. It's effective. <laughs> it's very effective. It's, it's especially effective with that. And <laughs> and for people who like playing with adrenaline, it's like there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. 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 Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Ta da. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It sure is. Hey, Mike. Hey, Kyle. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Okay, we talked about this the last time we recorded an ad, and I said I thought I would do cooking. Uh-huh. I actually did. I talked to my therapist, and she was like, what would you do for an extra hour? And I said I would cook, and so I did. And this weekend on Saturday, I made recipe I'd never made before. It was French onion mac and cheese, and it was delicious. Well, if you want to improve your mental health, be a podcaster and record an ad about mental health. Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gayish today to get 10% off your first month that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash gayish learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help that's betterhelp.com slash gayish french onion mac and cheese that's what makes me happy yum hey kyle hey mike do you remember when prep came out and it was a game changer oh my god biggest news we were all excited to get our hands on it well it's happening again <laughs> it is imagine a world where stis are no more. Doxypep is what we're talking about, everybody. You can get Doxypep from Shameless Care, and Doxypep has been proven to be up to 90% effective at stopping STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. It's just like PrEP was for HIV, but now for all of those other things, too. And where can you get this? You can get it from Shameless Care as a top telemedicine provider with board-certified physicians across 50 states. They have a mission of making DoxyPep accessible and affordable. Answer some medical questions on the website, and one of their physicians will prescribe DoxyPep to you. Viola! It's shipped straight to your door in discreet <laughs> packaging. <laughs> and DoxyPep at Shameless Care is crazy affordable, just $109 a year. That covers the online evaluation, the medication, and the shipping. So if you're ready to rewrite your story and discover the joy of carefree intimacy, visit shamelesscare.com slash gayish to take control of your sexual health. That is shamelesscare.com slash gayish. Your liberation is waiting. Be sure to use lube. (laughs) Are we back? We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to do our gays and straightest, but first. But first, but first. But first, first. Mike. Yes. We set out to see if you had any fetishes, unrealized fetishes, uh-huh. any dreams deferred of Kink. fetishes. Kinks, not Kinks, fetishes. thank you. Yes. Kink fetish, kink, kink things. Kinky, kinky boots. Kink, did, did you find <laughs> any new kinky things that you want to explore more? No. All right. <laughs> but, All right. But... 
uh, I will say I, I had some reactions to things that I didn't anticipate, and I think I'm going to process yep. a little bit and then see what's next. I All right. Know. So we need to keep digging on our quest to find your new favorite kink, yep. or accept that you might not be, uh, you might just be good with the sex you're having. Well, that's not true. Okay. <laughs> the sex you're not having? Um, okay. Or, or even more broadly, good with the life you're having. Good with the life you're having. Right. That's not true. I can speak on Mike's path on there. Okay. So, uh, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We have a Facebook group and YouTube and Twitter as Gayish Podcast. We managed to lock down Gayish Podcast on all the platforms. Oh, wait. Maybe not YouTube, but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Um, um uh, we want to hear from you. Our email is uh, gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our phone number is something that Mike's going to say, because I don't remember. 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rates apply. And we suggest you check out Max's website, bondagelessons.com. And Max, you said you had some events that you can bring up if anyone in the, is in the Seattle area. And I interested. do. Um, I do uh, multiple workshops a month. I do one that is repeating every month that I've done for almost three years now called All the Demos. And the format there is briefly, people show up, there is a whiteboard with a bunch of kinky activities and people vote for their favorite kinky activity. Ooh. I take, I put about 15 things on the board. I take the top four or five or six and we go into the dungeon. Uh, for There's some uh, front matter about consent and whatnot. And then I talk about, uh, I, I talk about the uh, particular kinky activity we're gonna do. I look for consent, I get a volunteer. And then we do a thing, and then everybody else in the room watches and gets a, an opportunity to kind of debrief and learn about it and see it. So it's an opportunity to, for instance, see a single tailing firsthand instead of just, like, hearing about it and thinking it's a different thing than it really is. So cool. lots of – and I also do a lot of private coaching. That's the other thing I mentioned. And if any of the stuff that we talked about today uh, melts anybody's butter, I'm delighted to see people either in person or I also do Skype coaching. So you actually don't have to be in Seattle for that. Oh, awesome. Cool. Uh, BondageLessons.com. Uh, real quick, I wanted to ask you have a you have you said you have a dungeon. Yes, is dungeon master an appropriate term to use for you? I'm kind of uncomfortable with master. It just yeah. doesn't feel very authentic to me. No. Um, it, when I'm in relationships, uh, people often call me sir. Mm. Um, no, I think I think if you were in my dungeon and you wanted to talk to me, you'd say hey Max. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. great. Uh, it's time for our gay straightest. Yeah, uh, you want to go first? Sure. Um, okay, so. My gayest thing of the week. Um, I noticed a friend wore the same clothes two days in a row. Uh, and the fact that one, I noticed it cause I don't notice things and <laughs> like call them out on it. Cause I have terrible clothes was like uniquely gay for me in a way that I'm not usually. Um, so I made fun of him, even though I do the same thing. Oh, well, um, the, straightest thing is i've been watching crazy ex-girlfriend oh my god that show's so good that's not uh straight but my straightest thing is i have a lady crush on rachel bloom she is like in the tv show she's like the crazy ex-girlfriend and she sings and she uh acts really well she writes everything like she's just really cool um and she's got some great she's got a great great rack so that's the my girl crush on rachel bloom I don't even know who that is. 
I know. I didn't either until I started watching this. Okay, She's, I'm not like bad gay for not knowing who that is. Well, I'm a bad gay. I like heard about this from Doug and Koviak, our favorite fag stag. So like the fact that I found out about this show that I think is trying to appeal to gay people is actually kind of straight. But, you know, I don't know who it is either. So I just failed at being straight. Or, <laughs> or you failed at one. I don't know which one. I failed it at media awareness. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm into her and her right. I'm attracted to her for her writing and singing. Okay. And boobs. Um, Mike. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like looking at it for the articles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my gays and straightest both actually happened at the gym today. Uh, the 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 gayest thing about me, I was learning how to do uh, kettlebell snatches, which you take a kettlebell and you put it all the way over your head. Mm-hmm. And uh, she yelled at me twice because my wrists were too sloppy. <laughs> like I have gay wrist, like real the, bad, like, like you just did. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I've I've sloppy gay limp wrists. Yeah, what can he do? Yeah, uh, and the straightest thing about me this week, we were on our way. We have to walk down this hallway to get to uh, a different part of the gym, and on our way back, we were sort of looking around this lobby. And my trainer, she goes, "Oh, so like, are you good at interior decorating?" I was like, "No, <laughs> no, I did not get that gene." Like. The straightest thing about me is the way that I decorate. Everything that even looks remotely decorated is because I got one of my gay friends to come over and do it for me. <laughs> it's just not in, in my constitution. Uh, yeah, same. And the fact that people still assume that everyone can decorate is like, I, I almost want to interior decorate their place out of spite to be like, all right, <laughs> you learned that's your, your assumption. <laughs> Great. Plant in the middle of the floor, couch facing the wall. Live with it. <laughs> yeah, this is what you got. Uh, uh, how about you, Max? Well, I'm told I get more than a week, so I'm going yes, to go like yes. I'm going to go like ten days, I think, huh? um, or maybe not. So, so the gayest thing is actually a week and a half away, and it is I am going to a quarterly men's party that you may have heard me allude to earlier. So I'm mm-hmm. going to pack up my little bag full of rope and single tails and electric toys and all the other things, and I'm going to show up uh, for it's all weekend long. But I plan to be there Saturday night, and I plan to be there for brunch on Sunday, and I have a few dates, and I'm going to make a few more dates, and I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Nice. Um, because I like like tying up and hitting big burly guys. Okay. Um, or actually, one of them's actually not very burly. He's kind of more twinky. I like that too. I guess. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and the straightest thing there might be a tie for the straightest thing. The my first thought for straightest thing was that I went to an event called Kinkfest last weekend, which is a BDSM convention in Portland, Oregon. It's marvelous. There's a certain amount of queer energy, but what I have noticed over the 20 years it's been happening is that the queer energy keeps fading away, and it feels actually a lot like a straight event, which kind of makes me sad. <laughs> but that might be eclipsed by the other straightest thing that's happening, and that is, like, today, my girlfriend's moving in. I was and, just uh, going to say a lady friend moving in yeah, she was pretty straight. Yeah, like six or seven years into the relationship, <laughs> we've decided maybe we should try this living together thing. So, so yeah, that's pretty straight. And yeah. we may, I may go home and celebrate a certain amount of straightness around that. So. Oh, awesome. Celebrating straightness. <laughs> I love that. Uh, cool. Well, that's it. That's it. Uh, uh, a special thank you, as always, to Charlie Finn for the use of our theme music. And thank you to Max for telling us all about this, tying me up, whipping me, etc um it was a lot of fun yeah thanks for the invite this was lovely thank yeah. you so so much we really appreciate it i i also want to thank uh john higson the inventor of the taser <laughs> sure <laughs> i didn't know that you know uh and thank you to all the kinky and bdsme folks out there that 
you beautiful, beautiful kinky are folks. Are so bored right now because they already know this info. So <laughs> sorry, they're not even listening to this. <laughs> so that's it. This has been Gayish. Uh, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Be bound. Be whipped. Be bound. Be shot. Be shot. Bye. See you next week. Yes, I will sing. Hey, and by the way, do you hear what your words bring? Oh. I'm gay. <laughs> one last shock. Should we do that one Let's more do time? Do it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Woo!